0: You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed.
1: So when I was growing up, um, I watched a lot of fairy tale movies. I mean, that's something girls love to do. And uh, having a daughter, uh, the thing we watched together was Enchanted. And we loved, loved, loved that um, movie, Enchanted. But it's about Snow White. So I want us to watch this quick video about Snow White. Just for a second.
0: Magic mirror on the walls. Who is the fairest
1: one of all? Amen. Is snow. Snow white. <laughs> snow white. How dare you? So let's see if you could, you are awake and alive. So let's see if you could finish this statement. Mirror, mirror on the wall. <laughs> Wonderful. So If you have ever grown up watching that movie, the thing was that whenever um, she was told that she was the fairest, she was happy. When she was told that she wasn't the fairest anymore, she got pretty ruthless and pretty upset and very angry. That's the thing about good mirrors. Do you have a good mirror at home? That's the thing about good mirrors, you stand in front of it and it will tell you what you look like, which is quite scary sometimes. But anyway, let's look into God's word this morning. I believe it's the definitive word that we need to look into and see what God would have say to us this morning. James chapter 1 verses 22 to 25, if you could turn with me or have a look at the screens. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Can we pause for a moment? But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Now, you've got to be pretty ignorant, ignorant to deceive yourself. I can understand somebody else deceiving you, but you deceiving yourself is like saying, Sophia, please come up on the stage. Okay, it's like saying that we are going to have a whole plate of food junk food and it's not going to expand our waistline. Maybe it was true when I was younger, but not anymore as I get older. But <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like saying I'm going to have a whole plate of junk food and it's not going to affect me. Thank you Sophia. Let's continue to read the word of I love props. I don't know about you, but props tend to stick in my head when it comes to the word of God. You know, it just brings the word of God to life. So verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall. For he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and Is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Now James is comparing somebody, the book of James, that's where we read it from. James is comparing somebody who have heard the word of God, goes away, and doesn't remember what the word says to a man who looks in the mirror and forgets what he looks like. Both ideas seem ridiculous. Who doesn't stand in front of the mirror and don't act on what they see? Like if your zipper is undone, you would zip it up. If your lips have lips, uh, I mean your teeth have lipstick, who wouldn't wouldn't fix it? I mean, why would you not remember what you saw in the mirror? I love the analogy. I, uh, I love the Word of God because it's full of parables and stories that God wants us to glean from for our life. Now, the perfect law of liberty is referring to the Word of God, if you did not know that. This Word of God, when we look into it, God's Word, and I pray to God that you are reading it every single day and devouring it. When you look into it, look into the perfect law of liberty, you see who you are meant to be, who God has called you to be, amen? But do you do you know that the Word of God the perfect law of liberty is God Himself. Let me show it to you in John chapter 1, verses 1 through to 5. It says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let me say that in the beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You cannot separate God from His Word. The Word of God was in the heart of God right from inception. Amen? Amen? So let's jump... Jump down to verse 4. It says, The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The word was light. And light brought life to everyone. The truth shines in darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Do you know the truth of God's word, God's word, supersedes any lie that you're facing this morning? If you're watching us on Facebook, whether you're watching us on social media, let me tell you the truth of God's word supersedes any lies that the enemy is speaking out to you. And you know what? When you go into a room and you switch on the light, you don't have to say darkness flee. Guess what? Darkness goes. You don't have to say darkness flee. You don't have to give it authority. The darkness uh, only exists because there's an absence of light. All right? So just remember that. When the truth of God's word is illuminated in our hearts, I'm telling you there's no room for the uh, enemy to have a field day. A- Amen. So um, when our kids were little, we took our kids to uh, Luna Park and um, only a handful of times, actually. But they would stand in front of these distorted mirrors and they would just love to giggle and laugh and just look at themselves. And when Leo would stand in front of the mirror, he would say, Dad, you're still short. And uh, honestly, and when I would stand, they would make fun of me too. You know, the, it was a crazy thing to do, but that's what they did. But unlike the mirror of God's word or God himself, a broken, a distorted mirror is incapable of revealing the full truth, correct? The Bible is the ultimate definitive mirror that we should consistently look upon in order to speak into our lives. So can we do that this morning? 2 Corinthians 3.18 in the Amplified says this, And we, all with unreal faces, continually, not a one-time look, seeing as in the mirror the glory of the Lord are progressively there's progress taking place when you look in God's word okay not a one time don't expect to have progress in your life if you're only looking at it one time or on a Sunday just dusting it off the shelf it's a progress you look at it every single day and then it says we are transformed into his image from one degree of glory to another who doesn't want to change who doesn't want to look good But to do it correctly, we need to allow the Word of God to rule and reign in our life. And when we do that, you know what happens? That's what James says in the latter portion. He says we will walk in the blessings of God because not only we will see the Word of God, it transforms us and then we walk in it and we reap the blessing of it. But the flip side of looking at God's Word or looking at the perfect law of liberty is when we forget who we are. And that's called Christian amnesia. Who's heard of amnesia? I'm pretty sure you've heard of amnesia, but it's called Christian amnesia. You know, you know who you are today. You know your family, you know your friends, you know the person sitting next to you, you know your past, you know your presence, you know your future plans and Hopefully, Aiden and Caitlin, you know your future plans Aww. coming soon. No, I'm saying, you know your future plans. But seriously, let's say that one uh, day I wake up and something tragic happen, uh, happens to me. And I have no idea what my past is. I, know, I have no idea what my present is. I don't know what my future plans are. I don't know who my family is. I don't know who my friends are. I have no recollection of absolutely anything. Your identity, as you know it, has been stripped away and wiped away and erased. I wish I had a massive eraser, rubbing it, rubbing it. That's what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to erase your potential. He's trying to erase your capability. He's trying to erase your strength. You know, there's a spiritual war going on for our identity. I don't know if you see it. It's an underlying issue, but it's a massive issue in our day and age. There's a spiritual war going on. Satan knows that he cannot create anything. He knows God is the creator of the universe. And you know what? The only way to get at at God, to hurt the heart of God, is going after his children and taking what was created and distorting it and polluting it and destroying it. Do you know uh, the way to get to me is by hurting my husband or my children? Any parent knows that. The way to get to the parents is by hurting their children. I'm telling you, the way to get at the heart of God is by hurting his children. And that's what he's doing. Uh, The enemy is trying to do through identity. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of this message is, Who Do You Think You Are? Who Do You Think You Are? We need to have a revelation. We need to understand who we are in uh, God because it will change the way we do life. It will change the way we do family. It will change the way we raise our children or do our job. We won't be insecure. We We won't be taken back if somebody else is succeeding or singing way better than us or playing way better than us or preaching way better than us. We won't get insecure about it. However, not understanding who we are in Christ will keep us living far below our rights and our privileges. Many people tend to identify themselves with someone or something because it makes them feel belonged and connected. You know, I was watching a YouTube video recently and it said, am I defined by what I do? An artist, an accountant, a teacher, a mother? Or am I defined by what I've achieved? An honor student, masters in business, or a number one athlete? Am I the things done right or am I defined by the things that I have done wrong? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things or none of these things at all? Who am I? Can I say it to you, can I be transparent this morning? Our core nature, we were created and recreated to display God's nature. A, a creature with a heart and a nature that was designed to make much of Jesus. That's all we are. I- you know, we are created to make much of Jesus. That's your identity. That's my identity. You and I are designed to walk in His image. Genesis 1.27 says God created man in His own image. In the image of God created him male and female, He created them. Why did He do that? Why did God created, uh, create you and me? Because He's passionately devoted to filling the earth with Himself. Do you know you represent Him? He's passionately devoted to filling the earth with pointers of Himself. Let me show it to you. Isaiah 43 verse 67 says, I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Do you know, we are all pointers of Him. Doesn't matter what tribe you come from, what race, what color, what ethnicity. Doesn't matter if you look different. You are pointers of Jesus. I was born in Sri Lanka, raised in Australia, married to an Italian, traveling the world, sharing the gospel as much as I could. You are called to bring this gospel to every tribe, tongue, and nation. Doesn't matter your background. Amen? But, Our identity needs to be in place. The structure needs to be there properly set up. Otherwise, everything you add to it will eventually collapse if your identity is not in place. The truth is we leak every single day in the stuff we watch, in the stuff we hear, and in the stuff we allow to believe. And some of those beliefs are lies of the enemy. Lies, lies, lies through media, through what we watch or the uh, things we see. Right now, our country, in our country, there are so many laws that are about to be, you know, implemented. And uh, an email that I read recently, it said that, um, you know, the government is wanting to prosecute families who are not willing to allow their children to change their gender. Can I tell you, if you and I don't stand up to the Word of God... You you better know your word. In the last days, it's going to test you like never before. You and I, if we don't stand strong to what God has called us to be and uh, do, I'm telling you, we are standing on false foundation. The world is constantly looking for something in creation to define who they are, whether it be in their marriage, whether it be in their physical appearance, whether it be in their gender. Uh, it doesn't matter. The world is looking for something to identify. People are obsessed with new crea- uh, uh, new realities out there, out there. People are obsessed in um, what Kim Kardashian is wearing or how her sleek hair look is. People are obsessed with what's, uh, what the new trend is out there. But let me say to you, uh, these obsessions eventually erode at your uh, aware, your true identity, who you've called to be, who you are called to be. Now, social media, let me be clear. Uh, like, I am guilty of this. When I ask my boys, especially Ethan and Ezekiel, when I ask them, um, you know, I want to take a selfie. And I say, uh, guys, do you have the right filter on? Do you have the uh, right lighting on? You know, because we, we want as many lights as possible. So we try to take, okay, you know, do I have a double chin or do I have? <laughs> no, seriously, I am guilty of it. But I'm telling you, if we don't seek to find our identity in Christ alone, then we're seeking it in something else. But when our identity is in the eternal things of God, we will not be crushed by our failures and weaknesses. We will not fall p- uh, pride from our successes or even go into despair over our disappointments and tragedy. So my question to you this morning, if I could ask you politely, Who is navigating your identity? What is navigating your identity? You know, we have no need to judge or compare ourselves with others because we seek to please Christ in whom our identity is found. You know, the normal human struggle is to, you know, get our identity horizontally, but we are hardwired by God to get it vertically. Can we put that back into perspective? Amen? Um, I heard um, a, a guy in our church, Pepe, he said, Are you the thermostat or the thermometer? Are you the one that impacts the world or merely an indicator of the climate? Can I say that there are, you know, looking out into the crowd like, You are, as an individual, you are a glory carrier, you are a glory courier, you are the salt of the earth, and let me tell you, there are special anointing placed upon your life to bring healing and breakthrough into the world of others, and you know what, and in our togetherness, we create uh, such a big ruckus to the kingdom of darkness, you are called to be a glory carrier. So why is your identity important? Because we need strong men and women who know their God, knows who they are in God to affect change. Amen? To affect change. So when we are born again, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, our death meant that our old nature died and our new nature, we come into a new nature. Our old nature is replaced by our new nature. To understand this, we need to study the Word of God. There's about 165 scriptures that talk ab- in Paul's writing that talk about our DNA and who we are in Christ. You know, the Old Testament kept right by doing sacrifices. I, you know, I was reading the book of Leviticus and, you know, looking at their sacrifice, you know, with the two pigeons and the turtle doves. Oh my gosh, thank God we don't have to do that kind of sacrifices these days. Today we keep right with God by receiving Christ and Christ keeps us right with God. Amen. So as I mentioned before, going back to Christian amnesia, Hollywood has got this down pack. There's about 145 movies that Hollywood have produced on the subject of amnesia. And I'm going to rattle out some names about amnesia, but I'm not endorsing any of them. But the first movie I want to chat about is The 51st Dead, about Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. He's trying to woo her, Yeah, and she has amnesia. Can you imagine? 50 dates. Uh, The next one is Finding Dory. My daughter loves this movie. You know, she has memory loss every 10 seconds. She doesn't know who she is, but she's on a quest to find her parents. Then the long kiss goodnight. I haven't seen this much, but I've done a background into it, yes. Um, And she has strange, strange memories of unexplained violent behavior. But later on, she discovers she's a government assassin. And Then the final movie is *Born Identity. Now, can you tell me if this guy looks like Nathan Nakatra? <laughs> Honestly, Nathan, you're more handsome than Matt Damon. Uh, but let me tell you that this, uh, Matt Damon, um, her was drowning in the sea and then he was rescued. He has no idea who he is and then he goes on a quest to find who he is and he realized he has all these skills and all these things and then he goes on to find who he is. The idea of amnesia, it's not just in movies, it's in the Christian world today. Sometimes in our walk with God, in ministry, in life, We have taken a few blows, a few setbacks like these guys in the movies. Setbacks such as hurt, disappointment, failures, you know, sickness. And we've had few setbacks and we have forgotten our true nature in God. I mean, have you had a few setbacks? I know I have. Have you had a few blows to your head? I know I have. Can I tell you, it erodes away at our true identity. We have forgotten that in Christ, we're called to move in the same capacity and potential as Jesus himself. In fact, in John 14, 12, it says. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thank you so much. So good. I love our media team. <laughs> I wish I thought about that earlier. John 14, 12, it says, Most assuredly I say to you, I love it, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Do you know you're called to do greater works? But the only way you will accept that scripture is, is if you believe Jesus. Otherwise, if you, if I'm what I do, then I will always need to do more. If I'm what others say, I will always try and please others. But if I listen to who God says I am, I embrace my identity and I will find my freedom and live out my freedom. Amen? Amen. I, um, thanks Kristen for doing this for me, but I love this mirror because the mirror of God's word tells us who we are. Amen? So I just, you know, thought I'll magnify it and put it on a mirror. And it says, God calls me his child. He says, I am wise and restored. He says, I'm a brand new creation in Christ. He says, you are chosen. He says, you are holy. Do you understand? Don't listen to the lie of the enemy saying that you're not holy. You have to confess your sins and he's faithful and just to forgive you immediately. You know, Denise, thank you for that uh, word this morning about construction. I am telling you, God is reconstructing us, but He has to deconstruct us first before He can reconstruct us. You know, God says that uh, I am His masterpiece, Ephesians 2.10. When he says that, do you look at the person next to you and say, I'm pretty sure he's talking about Vanessa Nicotra or oh. Sophie Nicotra or, or Ves or Petroff or, or Sal or Laurie, you know. God says you are his masterpiece. The dictionary defines masterpiece as person's greatest work of art. That means we are God's greatest artwork. If you were the greatest artwork known to mankind, you would be Michelangelo's 16 Chapel. You would be Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa. You would be Vincent van Gogh's Starry Night. If you were the best piece of music known to mankind, you would be Beethoven's Fifth or Handel's Messiah. You are the best Piece of work God has created. Before you were born, God knew you. And that's what he said to Jeremiah, which is an astonishing thought because he had me in his heart even before I thought it into being. You know, I was never an afterthought. Amen. When he thought of you, he smiled and he said, I can't sing it. Little ray of sunshine has come into the world. Seriously, you are the sunlight, sunshine of his life. You're not here by accident. You're not created with confusion. You're here by divine design to fulfill a divine plan. But let me say how you perceive God is how you're going to reflect Him in your identity. If you perceive God as approachable, loving, kind, merciful, and grace, guess what? That's how you're going to reflect Him in and through your identity. But if you uh, perceive God as judgmental, boring, and um, critical, guess what? Your identity is going to display that, and no one is going to want to know you. No one is going to want to know God through you because you're displaying that. But over the years, religion has painted God very dull and boring. And becoming a Christian is quite the worst thing to do in the world today because they feel like they have to do a personality bypass. They think that becoming a Christian is like a a, a killjoy because Christians are not meant to have fun. They think that God is a divine wet blanket. (laughs) You know, let me tell you, have a look at creation We are meant to be, as Christians, the happiest, the most colorful, artistic people in the world. I'm telling you, you're called to be different. You're called to be joyful. You're called to display his nature. You're not called to look at your natural and say, oh, but I'm feeling. Yes, maybe you're going through something, but you're called. You have the nature uh, and the DNA of Christ in you, so it doesn't matter outwardly how you are uh, feeling or manifesting because we're we're not going by our feelings. We go to the Word of God says, no, God says, I am chosen. I'm created. I'm a masterpiece. I'm holy. Amen. Many years ago, the Vatican ordered the restoration of the 16th chapel, and Lee and I and the kids got to see it when we went to visit his family in Italy. And when we, uh, it's not called 16, it's called Sistine Chapel, right? Uh, just in case you, you, don't, uh, you didn't hear me correctly. But it's from creation to the judgment. And it was the most beautiful thing. And before you guys put up that slide, you know, when Michelangelo painted thank you, before Michelangelo painted um, the... 16th Chapel, they thought that Michelangelo put God in the background, uh, that he painted him with dull and boring colors, muted colors, because God wasn't in the forefront, he wasn't an extrovert, he wasn't a show-off, or he wasn't that interesting. And everybody agreed until the Vatican ordered the restoration of the 16th Chapel. And then they discovered that over the years, the candles that had been burning down below in the chapel... Uh, had created all this uh, dirt and muck and soot up on the ceiling. And then once uh, these guys went up on the scaffolding and they started cleaning things, they began to discover what Michelangelo really meant for the Sistine Chapel. And these are not the best paintings ever. If you go into the actual website, you'll see the difference. But I'm telling you, they were bright and they were vivid and they were colorful. The point is. Over the years, religiosity have painted God dull and boring and judgmental. Over the years, um, you know, we have have such a discolour of who God is that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to come breathe life, take out all the muck, wipe out the windshield and see who we really are who we really are, have you ever wiped out, uh, you know, when our kids come from uh, playing some kind of sport and their uh, shoes are so dirty, I think when we just came from South Africa, I just chucked all of Zeke's shoes in the washing machine and it says, why did you do that? you know, but once it came out of the washing machine, it was brand spanking new. You could really see what that shoe was. You know, sometimes we need to allow God, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, to just wash over us so we can see who we are. Amen. We're meant to be full of grace, full of love, full of mercy, doing great exploits for his kingdom. I love the story of Jesus walking on water mentioned in Matthew, Mark and John. Have you ever wondered why Jesus walked on water or do you just read parables for just for the sake of it? For me, my mind goes down that way, and I thought, why did God walk on water? Because we serve a supernatural God that wanted to demonstrate something unprecedented. You know, when Peter saw Jesus walk on water, he said, Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come. And Jesus did, and the walk on water began. Jesus didn't say to Peter, what is your motive, Peter? Why are you wanting to walk on water? Do you know if God was such a boring God, he would have given you just potatoes, did. If God was boring, he would have just given you black and white eyesight, but we have color eyesight. Do you ever think about it? We serve a most incredible God. He not only wanted us to see the supernatural, he wanted us to encounter it, but he also wanted us to walk in it. Walk in the supernatural. Amen. And the way the place we discover that is by being connected to the vine. People say, I've got to find myself first before I can come to God. But the blueprint is in God. Blueprint is in Christ. Do you know all the movie makers understand this? Like Superman, he goes into a telephone booth and comes out with his underpants on the outside and la, 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 la. You know, he has extra vision and he has this all these superpowers. Same with um, Spider-Man. Same, uh, then what about the movie Avatar? he uh, a paralyzed marine he cannot do anything until he gets into the avatar and then he can walk and he can run and he can do stuff my kids growing up love the movie iron man i want you to put this full blast as we watch this clip quickly I don't know, every time I watch that clip, it just excites me. Because in Christ, that is your suit. You're not naked, you're in. The enemy has no clue who is coming at him. Can you see him? He's totally covered in the Iron Man suit. The enemy has no inclination if the husband's coming at him or the wife's coming at him or a friend is coming at him. He has no clue. When you are clothed with the armor of God, he has no clue who is coming. I get so encouraged when I watch that because when we are clothed with the clothes of Christ, he has no idea. Don't walk out the door naked. You are called to walk out the door fully covered, fully clothed with the anointing and with the armor of God. He has equipped you. He has empowered you. And we cannot do life without His clothes. Amen. Romans 8.29 says, For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. If you do not know Christ the key to having Christ's suit is by receiving Christ. I said earlier uh, in one of the other services I said that this suit is not for the elite it's not for the billionaires it's for every single person and any person can access access the same um, uh, suit and you can do the same possibilities you can access all the possibilities that come with the suit. all you have to do is receive Christ. Amen. And you receive Christ. um, And when you receive Christ, you become born again. A caterpillar goes into a cocoon, into a crystallized state. And honestly, within two weeks, it is a beautiful butterfly. You cannot say, there goes that caterpillar. You say, there goes that beautiful butterfly. The force of nature has, you know, taken place in two weeks. It's changed. But that Radical transformation is meant to happen with us. But you know, God is such a loving God. He's not dictatorial. You know, He partners with us in being born again. It's not like the force of nature that we have no say in it. We do have a say in our partnership with God in being born again. And once we are born again and once we receive Christ, we discover that we are living life through another who has obtained everything we need to be right with God. Just like we have the characteristics and the DNA of our parents, my mother's face, skin, (laughs) or my dad's nose. Yeah, I really do have my dad's nose. But (laughs) But we get our spiritual genetic code or DNA from our Heavenly Father downloaded into our spirit. In him, I have the mind of Christ. In him, I have wisdom of God. In him, I have complete and utter forgiveness and deliverance and healing. My mind is completely protected from the attacks of the enemy. But you need to understand that we have to keep that in the forefront of our our mind. Because any problems we encounter can can dislodge things in our life. You know, back in the Garden of Eden, in Psalms 8, God clothed Adam and Eve with the anointing of God. But in Genesis 3, when they sinned, Adam and Eve covered themselves with fig leaves. But later on in that scripture, it says that God covered them with um, animal sacrifice. That act became the prediction for us in the New Testament. We are clothed with the skin of the sacrifice that saved our soul. So when Jesus died on the cross, his life, his skin that was his is ours now in him. We enter into being sons of God through being in Christ. Incredible. But we need to be, we need to receive Christ. You know, one of the things I want to um, touch on um, in our last few moments is that in your identity, you're called to be overcomers. 1 John 5 4 says, for whatever is born of God, are you born of God? You're meant to be overcoming the world. Uh, And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Being an overcomer is a part of our identity. Don't think when we're going through circumstances that God has designed us, uh, designed that circumstance for, uh, for us to get weaker. No, it's actually those circumstances that we're facing has designed us to make us stronger in God. You know, I wrote here, when David met a lion, it pulled out of him a bear killer. When David met a bear, it pulled out of him a giant killer. When David met Goliath, it pulled out of him a king. God is waiting to pull out a king in and through your circumstances. But you need to know Jesus. You and I need to know Jesus. We need to accept him into our hearts and we need to receive him so we can walk in that victory, that overcoming spirit. So I want to show you one last video called The Falling Plates. I want you to have a look at the screen, please.
0: You, look at your eyes, look at them, speckled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. to know me, so I became one of you, a fragile creation. I was tempted.
1: could we stand to our feet please as that video says I want to continue that conversation with you this morning I believe that we need to unplug every other source and we only need to be plugged into one source and that's Jesus Not plugged into social media, not plugged into some other river. God has called us and He's wanting a relationship with you. He's wanting... (laughs) He's wanting a relationship with you. Can we unplug every other source that we wanted to get life from? Whether it be our family, whether it be our children whether it be, be, be our spouse, whether it be our ministry or our talent, they will all come from being plugged into the main source. But the other should not be our main source. Jesus is our main source. Jesus is our main source. And He's saying, your DNA and your blueprint is in me. You've been listening to
0: the GGC Life Podcast.